Gomez had a chance there for Mbappe, who slipped. Van Dijk. Firmino. in that bit of space and Milner wins the ball back there off Mbappe when it gets played out to Firmino looks how he's coming inside chops it back onto his right but buys himself that bit of space what a finish Marquinhos gets turned Bernat sticks out a leg and doesn't really try and get a block in Thiago Silva can't get there nor can the goalkeeper that's a brilliant goal from Firmino I gotta testify Come up in the spot looking extra fly For the day I die I'ma touch the sky Gotta testify Come up in the spot looking extra fly For the day I die I'ma touch the sky Back when they thought pink polos are hurt the rock before Cam got the shit Hello everybody and welcome to the Two Red Gringos The drunkest Liverpool podcast on earth I'm your host, Phil Bakke, and joined, as always, by Pat Staley. Pat, what a week it's been. Hell of a week. Hell of a week. Well, we heard heard in the intro there, the winner from Bobby (laughs) is... is, We'll we'll, we'll start as we normally do. Um, We'll start with with our... Segment we like to call "Pick Your Poison." So I see you're you're rocking a tall boy there. I do, I do. So I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna say how now that because right now you're in Tucson, Arizona. That's true. That's so true. your selection varies quite a bit from from what you would be picking on the streets of uh, of Mexico City. So what did what were you able to get your hands on here now that you're back in the states for a little bit? So, so just imagine you're you're on the wrong side of wrong side of thirty. You're a, you're a white male. You have a plethora of, of of food and beverage options here in Tucson, Arizona to choose from. Where do you think I went to pick out beer for this episode? Uh, I'm gonna say a local gas station. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it was white trash. <laughs> no, I went to Whole Foods. As, oh right, as obviously, all, yeah. as as all <laughs> white men do that are looking to pay more than they should for for beers. But you know what? But they do have a good local selection, and I'm not gonna go out and say like Arizona is crushing it in the craft beer game. Because, to be honest, it's a little light. And aside from, like, a Barrio Blonde, a Scottsdale Blonde, just a lot of blondes. And other... Like (laughs) Arizona, apparently. Like Arizona. I I don't want to get in there. I don't want to offend the Phoenix guys, (laughs) because I hate Phoenix, but I love the Phoenix LFC group. Great group. But I have... A Mother Road Brewing Company Kolsch-style ale out of Flagstaff, I believe. Yes, Flagstaff, Arizona. So I've had it before. It's easy to drink. Like I said, if it, it it's either a, a, a Mexican lager or a blonde, and 
I've had my share of both of those. <laughs> I, I, uh, the beers, in, in, the beers. Right, right, obviously. So, <laughs> I mean, a, Kol- a Kolsch is always a good, a good go-to. Um, just a nice, nice, easy drinking style and nothing wrong with that. I, uh, in typical fashion, I'm, I'm going to rock a Texas IPA. Um, and uh, today I'm, I'm repping Noble Ray Brewing Company from uh, Dallas, Texas. Um, okay. Actually, actually, I've been to their tap room. It's real nice um, there in Dallas. But I'm, uh, I've got the <laughs> – this is a little too on the nose for me. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the Tactical Combat Firefighter IPA. <laughs> no, that's – that's borderline um, inappropriate. But there's a, uh, there's a there's a Macho Man Randy Savage on the can type. Uh, Do they have the rights to Macho Man? Randy? I mean, it, it. Wait, is that a Macho Fireman? It is a Macho Savage? Fireman because you can okay. see the rest of the. Uh, it's some nice packaging on this, uh, and and Noble Ray, like I said, solid solid brewery. Weird name for a beer. Don't love it, but the beer itself is delicious. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, you, know, oh, you can't really I, argue I with that. Meant, I thought you meant you didn't love, didn't love the beer, and I was gonna no say, the this name, the name. Didn't a, a two red gringos first, <laughs> where we lead off. Take your poison. With, well, with it sucks, nothing but, but... <laughs> insults. <laughs> nothing, nothing but insults. No, not at all. Uh, don't love the name, but but the beer is the beer is fantastic, and ultimately, you know, that's what matters. We're not we're not about aesthetics. We're not about the the superficial things. We want we want the substance. Yeah, well, maybe you, maybe you. I like, you know, I'm picking out wine bottles because of the design, and it, it, it's a fancy portrait on the on the beer can. So, so, uh, so we'll get we'll get right down to business. So, there's really nothing else to talk about right now, other than the massive win against PSG midweek in the Champions League. Massive, and it all ultimately came down. To Bobby Firmino, I mean, probably, I, I may be speaking for myself, but probably one of the the favorite the favorite players of the of the two red gringos. Um, oh yeah, Bobby Dazzler. Uh, <laughs> and if you haven't picked up a Bobby Dazzler kit, by the way, this is a nice time to plug. But um, <laughs> but no, Bobby. So I want to talk about the the raw reaction to to Bobby Firmino's winner. Because I know I know what mine mine was, but when that hit the back of the net, when that flew in, the was there just that outpouring of emotion? I I really haven't felt something like that in a while in terms of the just that kind of raw reaction to yeah. a goal. What probably since since Dortmund in Europa, maybe right to have kind of like an in, in instantaneous like just this burst burst of emotion and like i said we were in or i was in phoenix and i got to connect with the phoenix olsc Uh, i got to hang out with them a few years prior for a match and i believe liverpool is now two and oh since i've been with the phoenix guy so that's always a good trend but no like just uh, the 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 pub is absolutely packed with Liverpool and maybe one PSG and one Real Madrid supporter who walked in at the same time and we all wish death upon him. But no, the immediate reaction was just 
you know, just an uh, unbelievable like flow of emotion. But, and I was at, and I was thinking to myself, like, while, while I was coming down from that immediate high, I was like, what did we just win? <laughs> I was like, I was like, cause we're celebrating like, like we won like silverware or, or something happened. But, but that quickly faded because it was just, you're right. Like it's been a while since we've had kind of a, we, we ha- we've had a hell of a season, a hell of a run, but I don't know if we had a moment, uh, maybe aside from uh Salah's goal against uh, in the second leg against city. But that, that was like a big, like cap, like not like a sigh of relief, but like just pure joy at, at, at a result well-deserved. Yeah, I think I think ultimately the the reaction to the winner is is half obviously the quality of the goal, the the occasion yeah. of, you know, an opening opening group stage match against you know, one of the biggest clubs in Europe and and certainly it was a it was a test for us that we had passed with flying colors, but yet we were staring down the barrel of a draw, you know, because uh Mounier, you know, takes his opportunity in the first half, just swings his swings his boot at, at the ball, and and it ends up in the back of the net. And then, yeah, obviously the uh, you know PSG's second goal, I won't speak too much about, but Mbappe is a, a deadly finisher, and when he gets into that position, he's he's gonna score mo- more often than not. So it felt like we had done so much work and so much, and we had played so well for essentially all but two moments of the entire game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it felt like we were going to come away with a point and it was going to be so undeserved. And so just for, for Firmino to come off of the bench and with one eye <laughs> practically <laughs> hanging out of it, of his face, he, he scores the, uh, he scores the winner. And in, with such a, the turn, the, the finish itself, you know, low into the corner, the celebration, the eye patch celebration, like there, <laughs> so much about it was just amazing. Uh, but when it went in, I I had just got home for the second half. Um, I had watched the rest on my phone. Um, yeah, sneakily, sneakily streaming as, at as work. Americans have to do often. Yeah, I was sneak, sneakily yep. streaming at work. But I made it home for the second half. And uh, when that went in, I I legitimately jumped over the back of my couch, and I, I I didn't know what to. do. It was just one of those moments where you had to like, you just had to like, get the energy out. Like you had to you know pump the air. Like you had to celebrate yourself as a fan. It just felt like such a big win, and the atmosphere at Anfield too, backing it all up. It was just, I mean, what a moment for the for the club, oh, yeah. and especially to to cap off a you know a six straight wins to open the season. I know. I love that. We're just kind of taking that for granted and going straight to, you know, who gives a shit about six matches in a row when Bobby, when Bobby Dazzler (laughs) is doing an eye patch celebration and then Klopp (laughs) and Mane are both mimicking it. Right. But I love that even and part of it had to do with that lovely little altered gif where Neymar went crashing into the, into the, the, the pool or whatever that somebody put next to Mane. But it, as much attention as that got, like, Firmino absolutely, I think it was Marquinhos that was marking him it was. For, for the winner. It was. Just absolutely turns him inside out to get space where there should never be any space. And just uh, a perfect finish. So, yeah, an, an incredible moment. But uh, But what we were kind of talking about earlier is that, 
I, 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 that's as, about as dramatic as it gets. But if Trent knocks in his free kick at about, what was it, like the 86-minute mark or something like that, if, if Trent puts that in, is that a better story than the Bobby Firmino winner? Keep in mind, we're very biased here. Yeah. So it's Bobby. So I, w- I will say um, that in terms, of, in terms of the storybook feel, a Trent winner in that game where he had already had a fantastic performance, dominated. just absolutely brilliant from start to finish. Both fullbacks uh, deserve, deserve a lot of credit, and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit, but um, there's been a lot said about both already. If Trent wins that game, I, I think in terms of the storybook and the you know a nineteen year old fullback who had just locked down Neymar for for ninety minutes <laughs> scores a winner, then yeah, I, I would say in terms of the story, it, it probably is a little bit better of a story. Yeah, um, and it is it's an absolute crime that that was deflected wide, but <laughs> like, it really is because that was a, a peach of a free kick. Um, that, that still almost ended up in the back of the net despite the deflection. And, and yeah. so, uh, but ultimately that corner, you know, that corner is what led to what led to the goal. So, yep. um, Trent's quality did, you know, it shows through regardless, but it, it was, <laughs> it was a moment where I, I was on my feet with him standing over the free kick already in my living room. I'm, I'm like ready for it to, to go in. Yeah, um, and for it to be such a good free kick that just was kind of denied the the opportunity to be the winner is is kind of a shame. But ultimately, I'm glad you know Bobby <laughs> bailed us out. But uh, but it would have been it would have been some some kind of folklore and kind of added to the legend of Trent. Yeah. Um, early in his career, if if that had gone in. Yeah, I think that's right. So the storyline might have been a little bit better, but in terms of just the dramatics, like a Firmino winner and in, in the iPad celebration. I mean, that's just what you come to expect from, from Bobby Firmino. It's not just the quality on the pitch, but after he scores and floats off of it, just whatever bizarro celebration he's going to do. Yeah. I, uh, and, and so speaking of that, it kind of, it kind of brings me to, to what I want to talk about next. So the, the the theme of this Liverpool team so far this season is that it doesn't really matter who is performing at the very top of their game and who is kind of yeah. you know finding their way through the performances or who's out yeah. or who's in everyone is kind of stepping up and and the man who and I I want to put him above there's a lot of performances to go around uh to talk about but for sev- about 72 minutes Daniel Sturridge was an absolute key part of what Liverpool were doing. And I know this is like something that you have been waiting for for a long time. <laughs> uh, so I want to talk about Daniel Sturridge and, I and his performance. To Sturridge. Like right. I, said, I want 90 minutes Sturridge. Right. Okay, it, it worked out well, I think, in hindsight. Yeah. So Daniel Sturridge, uh, up front, he gets a goal, um, a typical center forwards goal that, we, that we've kind of come to expect from, from Sturridge when he gets into the right positions, but an industrious performance around the pitch and, and something that I think we've kind of been waiting to see how, how Sturridge will fit in uh, when Firmino needs a rest or, you know, if we're trying to look for something different up front. So, yeah. So did we, what did we think of, of Sturridge's shift that he put in against PSG? 
Well, I will say this. It's it, it's funny because if you picture Surge, the biggest, and even I heard it from from some of the guys in Phoenix was, you know, ten minutes go by and Surge isn't trying hard enough. He's not pressing hard enough, but. His pressing style is almost what we see more often now out of uh, not just our front three, but the way that we're set up. And it's not this like full press the entire length of the pitch, but it's picking your spots, trailing off a little bit so that you can eventually kind of let let them build up possession a little bit towards towards our end. And then that's when you press with with as a team. And that's what I saw him do the entire match. But of course there's always this lingering notion that, you know, he's not going to work as hard as Firmino. And, and, and you know, it, the, the honest truth is that he probably doesn't work quite as hard as Firmino because literally nobody else except for maybe Milner <laughs> actually does. But what we always know about search is that you always have like quality from him to drop back to, to distribute as, as, as well as anybody else can. But also his ability to finish, which is, you know, probably second to to just about none in the Premier League when he's when he's firing, and so he gets his opportunities, and all he needs is is one or two because you know we're still going up against a a pretty talented center back pairing that PSG have, and for the most part he's being mocked, marked by Thiago Silva, who just so happened to miss <laughs> miss that header, so that Sturridge could bury it too. But no, I mean that's. Like we know, like it feels redundant saying it because we've been saying it for years and it's just all the matter of if he's in this side and if he's fit, like where does he fit? And this was a perfect example of it. Firmino probably could have played, but no use in risking it when you do have that type of firepower to, to bring off the bench, which we now do. So he he lived up to any type of expectation we could hold him to, got his goal did everything else that he needed to and gave way for Bobby to score the winner. Yeah, I think uh I think it was fitting uh that this week earlier this week there was a lot of conversation about comments from uh Gary Neville um the you know mank bastard. He uh <laughs> he he had said that there was a big drop off from, you know, the front Liverpool's front 3 that we've come to know to any of the subs. Um, and I think Sturridge showed that the drop-off actually isn't that steep, and I think we all knew that. Um, It's a very different style that Sturridge plays in, you know, compared to Firmino, but Firmino doesn't play like any striker on this earth, so (laughs) there's really not, that's not that weird, you know, it's not, it's not that strange of a comment to say a, a pure number nine like Sturridge doesn't play yeah. that position like Firmino. Um, but I really, I, I didn't see the, the, you know, there, to me, there's not a lack of industry or a lack of like effort from, from Sturridge um, because he was popping up all over the place. He was drifting wide to create space. Yeah. He was making runs in behind. He was getting in between the center backs, which ultimately led to the goal after, you know, obviously a couple of great crosses came in one from Trent on the right one from, Robertson oh. on the left, which was you know eventually buried, um, but yeah, it the he takes up a little bit different positions than Firmino, but I don't think he really uh, and he offers something different than than Firmino, but I don't think his work rate is is really anything that we'd call into question, and especially after this performance, I think you can see that as long as he's fit, 
he's willing to put the work in. I don't, oh, yeah. I, I don't think there's any question there. Well, you mentioned it too, him getting behind the center backs. Like if any, like if we, if we could criticize Sturridge for anything, it's that last year, year before when he's in and out of fitness, that's what we, we haven't seen from him that we saw, especially in 13, 14, that made him so, so dangerous. And to see that first in preseason when he was phenomenal and now to see it actually him pop up in those positions throughout, you know, just uh, about as good as opposition as you can come across. That's, that's what I like to see out of Sturridge. Does he still kind of have that, that ability to get in those positions, um, either running in behind or just popping up in the penalty area to, 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 to pick out a shot? Yeah. Ultimately Sturridge grabs his goal. Um, and, and it does the dance. Yeah. He, he's, and it's funny. He's talked about in recent years, ditching the dance, but do you think you'll ever really see the death of the death of the studge? No. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not. Like if he's scoring consistently, maybe he doesn't pull it out every time, but you know, he, he gives the people what we want. Like (laughs) that, that's one of the best things I can say about Sturridge is he knows what he wants or he knows what we want. He knows what Klopp wants. Like (laughs) he'll give it to us. The, uh, the great, uh, Liverpool American Liverpool fan account um I think it used to be NT Jabi it's now NT yeah. Jaco I believe as in taco <laughs> um but uh but NTX I think is he's mo- most well known one of um, the greats one one of the one of the absolute ledges of of American <laughs> Liverpool Twitter um he uh at the beginning of the game predicted that that Sadio would would copy Sturridge's dance, do the wiggly <laughs> the wiggly arms, I think he calls it, and uh, and Sadio did indeed mimic the celebration. Uh, so if you scroll through his th- scroll through his timeline, NTX, you'll uh, you'll see the the very brief clip of of Mane doing the the studge. Um, and I feel like I haven't seen as much out of him lately. He. Oh, out out of NTX, he yeah he he pops up. I mean, he's mainly during the matches. He's not quite as active. I feel like in between, yeah. Um, but still, still just a solid solid account, solid contributor. Speaking nonsense half the time, but um, but, but it all makes nonsense sense that can in, in his brain, it, and it and makes it all, it, if you can translate it, and it makes sense to to us. So I mean, yeah. He he strikes a chord certainly. Um, so, speaking of kind of, I think players who there are certain notions about outside of the context of a game like this, and then you watch them in a game like this, and somehow it all just clicks. Uh, kind of how Sturridge was for his for his contribution today. This midfield three, so. We have a midfield three announced. Uh, obviously, it was the same three that we started with, minus uh, Jordan Henderson came in for Keita, and then we had Jeannie Wijnaldum and James Milner. So across the three, <laughs> when you take them at a at a glance, that three doesn't make any sense, right? Like in our notions of each player, the the, the cliches <laughs> that are said about about yeah. each player, and yet they absolutely 
controlled and shut down a game against one of the top sides in Europe. Yeah. Even didn't not, leave them a, a didn't leave them an inch. Didn't leave them one one ounce of of space to breathe. Um, and absolutely suffocated the game for about you know ninety two minutes and and fifty seconds. Um, <laughs> it, it it felt like it, and it was because it, it, that's to me is such a feel good, and it's such a great thing for this squad to say that you know, Klopp goes out, he buys two world-class midfielders to come in and we're thinking, you know, they're going to be immediately injected into the squad and (laughs) to, (laughs) to have like, you know, Ox Ox being injured. One of these guys is always going to get to safe. So we're like, we even probably talked about like, who is it? We said like Hendo probably moves into the eight Milner Milner's probably, you know, going to, going to Milner at any number of positions and but Genie is like the obvious like drop for for Kaito who shows more. But I mean we've seen it all season like from preseason it, through most of the games in, in the Premier League is that Genie just has like this 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 hunger to him almost, and it, it, he's kind of taken taken a backseat to to Milner definitely, um, but even I think Hendo in this match as well who. I don't know if you saw, but Hendo kind of started a little rocky when Neymar was running at him, and I was like, ah, I don't I, like. I don't know how this is going to go for Hendo in yeah. post, post like Hendo video clip that everybody was like, <laughs> that everybody was floating <laughs> around. So, but all it takes is one like just stiff challenge on Neymar to uh, to change the conversation. Yeah, I think I I think what's fascinating about this midfield, and I put it I put it in the outline, but like. I it's fascinating to me the progression of these players into the roles that they now hold in this Klopp yeah. midfield and for all three of them to be started together you have Milner who as a teenager was playing as you know an, a, an attacking mid like winger for Leeds yeah goes through his career and eventually is now playing as a hybrid 8 six kind of role in a Klopp <laughs> There's team. There's no number. And he's absolutely all over the place. Like he, and he's everywhere. It seems like he, he's 32 years old and it seems like he just cannot be stopped. Um, and it, it's, so you take him and then you take Wijnaldum who, you know, in PSV and Newcastle was playing as an attacking midfielder. Yeah. Um, and now is playing as the deepest, <laughs> the deepest, <laughs> midfielder of of our of our system especially when it's um when Kaita's in the team oh yeah um, he plays as the six and so uh and then for Henderson playing out on the right you know for most of the start of his Liverpool career and even at Sunderland and then moving into an eight or even sometimes floating closer to the 10 uh under Rodgers yeah and now playing as the six or again like a hybrid <laughs> kind of floating like that midfield is becomes dynamic despite the fact that when people say the names of the players they would think oh not dynamic not dynamic not game changing um you know any of the three and yet you match them up against a midfield that we've and and an attacking forward line 
that they effectively neutralized, uh, you know, in conjunction with the with the fullbacks mainly. But you look across the the talent available to to PSG, and no one would say that oh, like Genie's going to neutralize the effect of of a Rabio. Or, yeah. or you know, any of these top like class players that Di Maria, Di Maria, and, you know, yeah, just, yeah, unbelievable quality throughout <laughs> the midfield, yeah, and and yet here we are talking about these three had, I mean, not ten out of ten, but certainly like, I mean, Van Alderman and Milner, you could easily say played games at an eight, and Henderson was head and shoulders above where he's been this season, and it oh, just yeah. felt like. There was no space in that midfield. They absolutely suffocated PSG out of the game. It was like they had them in a sleeper hold half of the half half of the match. Well, in, in credit, I mean, part of it is with these all of these players like Milner, Genie, and Hendo are just agile enough to put to, to fill in at so many of these different positions, right? Like we probably could put. Probably, hopefully not in the in the league, but maybe like the league cup or something. Like, you could put Milner or Genie as as a as a winger as well, right? Like they they've got the background. That's where they that's where they played for many most of their career. But so they all have that quality. But for Klopp to set up, you know, the way that often we would see it with with Gomez, almost like the more reserved fullback. Now, yeah, I mean he's he's an the center back role now actually, but Trent was pushed so, so much further up. And with Robertson being the one that, you know, on the left side, that's normally the one that we, we push up forward just a little bit more reserved. So that balance in, in to have, I I didn't know who was playing where, like I didn't trust. I, I love the pass map for PSG because it showed how just disrupted they were, but I didn't know, like who was in the six, who was on the left, who was on the right, because I would look up and, and Jeannie's filling in at right back as Trent pushes up. Right. Right. But, but, but before they could even get to him, like both Milner or Henderson were there too. So with, with Neymar dropping back Di Maria on that side, we kind of knew like that's where it was going to go through to eventually maybe get to Mbappe. Mm-hmm. But for all of them to just kind of flow together so well just speaks to to not just their quality but but Klopp's ability to set up this team to completely neutralize one of the biggest attacking threats in the world. So the the midfield obviously contributed a lot to uh neutralizing that front three. I mean, when you look at a a team rollout of Neymar, Cavani and Mbappe, you think, all right, Obviously, this is going to be an issue, um, and <laughs> and it turns out that it turns out that you know if they get a chance or two, they're they're going to take it uh, more often than not. But did you see a lot of people are kind of slating? I, I'd say slating, um, and we've already talked about Sturridge, but mainly I'm talking about Mane and Salah when I when I refer to our front three. But did Mane and uh, I felt that Mane and Salah also contributed to the ability of that of our midfield to control the game. And and did you see it that way, or or did you think they were kind of marginalized? Well, I think you're, most of the time, like we we trust Mane to do that. And if anybody, it's I wouldn't say Salah necessarily gets ridicule for not maybe being as active and and pressing and support 
as others because I think it's almost at that level of a, a Neymar or a Messi where it, it's almost tactical, right? Like these players are so good offensively, you need to save some of that for them. So, but but there is kind of that notion from Salah that you know maybe that's why Milner and, and Henderson are further further to the right at times is to kind of make up for that, but not not in this match because kind of like what I said with that style of Sturridge is that we we laid off a little bit more to keep that center of the pitch so compact. And the only way you can do that is in order to not just disrupt with a pressing game, but also to dominate. Uh, we didn't dominate possession, but we completely dictated the style of play and the pace of it. And in order to do that, that's why you need your your front three to be able to drop back is because you can't just win the ball, but then you have to be able to control it. And that's what we did against PSG so well was just completely dictate not just the press, but then the style of play. Um, because it wasn't just us trying to, like like we do often against top opposition, like hit them on the counter and, and press into a break. I mean, they were the ones that kind of used a mistake to <laughs> to generate a goal, but it was right. just this total kind of total kind of team team structural pressing that existed. And but no, you're exactly right. It's there from Salah. It's there from Sturridge. It's there from from Mane as a way to not just win back possession, but also cut off certain passing lanes from the back, from their fullbacks into the mid into their into their wider players and i think you can you can almost see exactly that impact in everyone was talking all game and and in the post the post game as well um about liverpool's out ball always being out to trent on the right trent was always available in space and Liverpool knew and Klopp knew and I mean everyone on the pitch knew that Neymar wasn't going to track Trent back into his own half, right? Yeah. So something as simple as standing near that outball or near that player who's seen as as that out outlet pass could, you know, disrupt or could, you know, unsettle or at least make someone think about making that pass. But every single time that Liverpool possessed the ball, they could look to the right and switch the play out to the right with an easy, long pass. It didn't have to be even that accurate because Trent was in acres of space. And it was just because all Neymar would have to do is jog back into his own half and track back. But it's just not its not in his game or it's not... I mean, yeah. he's not... I don't know if it's below him or whatever, but... But you could see, like PSG never had an easy out ball. That's a, and that's the difference yeah. I think is Klopp has gotten the whole team to think in that system. And like you said, people are positioning themselves and and playing that way. Even if Salah's not necessarily, you know, he's not gonna he's not gonna win the ball back a bunch of times like Firmino or anything like that. But he can at least jog back and and stand in the way of someone switching the play lazily from one side of the the field to the other, um, and at least put someone under pressure. And I think that's I think that's what PSG clearly lacked in their forward line is they just lacked that kind of industry to say like I'm gonna make them work 
to make these passes. Yeah. Um, they were happy to let Liverpool pass it around. And ultimately the, um, obviously a couple of crosses, you know, led to the opener. Um, and then it was kind of, uh, just negligence on the ball that, that led to the winner, um, as well. Cause Mbappe had the chance to, to kind of kill the game, uh, late after the, the corner got cleared and, uh, and he got dispossessed by Milner and, you know, the rest is history. But Brandon to Jimmy Milner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who, again, popped up, you know, in a position where he hadn't been, you know, As all game on the edge of the area. <laughs> um, but but I think that it just makes it clear that Klopp has obviously gotten everybody to buy in. And there's a lot of talk about, like, oh, is, you know, was Salah, like, upset about the goal? I'm not even going to, like, no, we're not, that, we're, not, we're not given any, no. we're not given any, but I'm saying, but I'm saying it's clear that Klopp's ideas have, have fully been, been, uh, bought into by the squad and, and just no one feels above, um, the system. And that's, and yeah. that's what I think is important, an important distinction between what we saw from PSG and what we saw from Liverpool. Yeah. And we've seen it with even Sturridge talking about him adapting his game to fit it. And we see it with, New signings from uh, uh, Chamberlain last year to Fabinho this year, right? There's this, there's this process, and that's what I like to see from <laughs> three midfielders that are all like staring the axe in the face, like we're going to lose our spot to to somebody. Like for them, uh, that that's such a big thing for the squad. I think you know, speaking as with with my wealth of playing experience but <laughs> but but for the squad to see like for for Milner to put in a shift for Genie to put in a performance to keep their spot even even with these like huge price tag players that that we know are phenomenal i mean i that has to be such a boost to to everybody in the squad right like if i go out there if i buy in if i do my job like I, I've got my spot, right? And if I'm Fabinho, if I'm Kaita, I know that well, shit. I've got to kind of step my game up a little bit too to kind of to to snatch it up from these people. And these are, you know, fifty forty million dollar signings that <laughs> that that might be struggling to get game time. Yeah, I mean, and and we'll talk a little bit about about kind of the depth available, but uh, so. <laughs> We had on the lighter side of this matchup against PSG, we had we had the kind of what I like to call the luxury side, but we had we had PSG in their Jumpman <laughs> kits, right? Air Jordan. I thought about that for the intro song, <laughs> but I felt it was Jumpman jump. PSG. Yeah, maybe we can fuel this even more. Maybe we'll close with that just as a just as a shot to the. Uh, <laughs> to uh, the so we had we had Jumpman on one side with a specialty kit, you know, just for Europe and and this whole line of of, you know, like lifestyle clothing and all this shit. And on the other side we have New Balance <laughs> just doing the job, right, and getting it done. And so you you were concerned uh before the match kicked off about about the meme ability I'll, I'll call it the meme ability of the Jordan versus New Balance fight. Yeah. So do you think we did just enough to avoid avoid the meme the meme war or the meme uh, fallout? Because 
because the big little media clip afterwards was Neymar falling into the digitally rendered pool. <laughs> so we, we avoided something I was really concerned about, and it was the, the view of, of Liverpool being put in a place of, I don't know, I think I called it the the mayonnaise, <laughs> the mayonnaise football club. I didn't want us to represent the the Make America the MAGA right. supporters. You know, I didn't want New Balance our our ties to New Balance to dictate what people thought of us culturally too. And I was concerned because, let's be honest, like if I don't give a shit about football, if I'm like just in it for something cool, then a, a Neymar Mbappe led PSG rocking some Jordan gear is pretty fucking cool. <laughs> and if I see the opposing team rocking some New Balance, that that's an instant opportunity for some type of some type of meme that that does not put Liverpool in the best light. But I think between the uh, Firmino I celebration and Mane absolutely destroying Neymar. I think we're okay. I think we're okay. So that 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 was a concern that's alleviated now for me. So before we before we move on from PSG and and there, I wanted to talk. So because of the whole Air Jordan and, and you know Jumpman, whatever the that partnership and the specialty kit and all this stuff, um, I wanted to highlight a and we'll you know we'll get to our social media heroes later, but but as far as the journos. Jonathan Wilson, uh, who's a <laughs> writer for The Guardian, uh, yeah. had a had a very very uh, good piece uh, after the game about basically the fact that PSG aren't playing Thomas Tuchel football. Yeah, but what they are playing may not even be called football. Um, <laughs> but but it was basically the fact that. Um, with the resources they have and with the manager they have, with the players they have, you know, what, what more could PSG possibly, possibly want basically. Um, and, and the last paragraph of, of his, um, of his piece kind of really brought it all together. And I, and I think the, 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 the Air Jordan part of this kind of, kind of fits in um, just as far as having that, um, that kind of vanity side to him, that, that luxury yeah. feel. Um, but uh, he says in the piece, each season the question seems to become more fundamental. What are PSG? A vanity project for Neymar? A strangely misplaced Nike marketing <laughs> ploy? A laundromat for Qatar's international reputation? <laughs> They're certainly not a football club in any traditional sense. And if they are supposed to be an agent of Qatari soft power... They really need to start emphasizing the power aspect of that phrase rather than the soft. <laughs> and so I, I, that really like encapsulated a lot for me because I have, I have loads of problems with the ownership group. They are the guys who kind of masterminded the, the Qatari uh, World Cup bid that is just a Resulted disaster. Resulted in the deaths of... <laughs> yeah, no, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. Essentially slave labor, building, building cities um, so that they have enough enough uh stadiums to to be able to support a world cup because i think you need 14 and qatar only has really one city um (laughs) so 
Yeah, there's a lot, but but basically it is. I mean, it does call into question. You know, if PSG are just going to win, you know, uh, the you know League One, and they're going to win the French the French Cup, and they're going to win that, and then they go into Europe, and they're just they year after year they're exposed for uh, for the team. You know, basically yeah. lacking the the bite to actually do anything in Europe. Then like, what are they doing? You know, what is what is the goal of this club? And that's what. Because every other team is trying to get better and better, and we see it in Liverpool, we see it in in Manchester City, even which is another you know what you would call kind of a a vanity project of a a wealthy Arab investor. Yeah, <laughs> but Manchester City clearly have have higher like more lofty goals than than PSG, and so it's like what are what are we doing if they're not if they're not out there trying to win in Europe? And and it just it felt like they kind of lacked that uh, I don't know that bite or that like edge to try to really go out there and and try to grab a game by the by the throat and win it. So we won not just the match but also the brand war is what you're saying that I was concerned about. So yeah. it turned into all all form and no function for, <laughs> for PSG. But I, shout out to um, our our favorite. Um, favorite's a, a tough word. A a mank that we tolerate. Um, uh, one one Fernie. Yeah. LL Cool Fernie, uh, as he's known in in the Twitter realms, uh, who also picked out his his seats. Yeah. I uh, out his seats for El Paso USL. Are you going to follow him with I, the? I've got my own. I don't know if I don't get a video now. I'm going to be really upset. But if we if you don't. I, I'm going to say we, if we don't get a video, uh, but anyway, yeah. so that's what I kind of like. Fernie was, he, he reached, he reached out through, through Twitter as he does. And he asked, he's like, Hey, how did, he's like, like thoughts from PSG. And I'm thinking like, Oh, he's just trying to bait me into you know, saying something so he can use it against me. But he's, you know, he's genuine. He's yeah. genuine about it. And I said, you know, this is a test. It, it was almost kind of a, a similar test for two teams, right? Not in terms of the structure of the organization or anything like that, but just in terms of what type of quality are these two clubs going to bring? Because I think going into it, you would think Liverpool are the underdogs, right? PSG or PSG, even away from home, like they've got kind of the star recognition, they've got all this firepower, even as good as our front three are. You know the 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 branding of kind of Neymar and Mbappe and, and Cavani and all of that. Uh, may, maybe it gives them the edge. I don't know, but I I think they were actually the favorites. But anyway, and I said like this is a test to see kind of where both teams are, and I I, I think it seemed pretty clear from that performance. And uh, I don't know if the away leg is going to be any different because I don't think that that's much of an impact for us at all. But it showed us that I think Liverpool, like we knew this, like last year was not some one-off, like kind of Cinderella run that we went on. Like this is the team. And I, <laughs> I didn't want to be so outlandish to say this, but it, it, ahead of time, but we'll say it now in, in a, in, in just like kind of champions league format, not the final or the group, but in a, a, a two leg matchup Liverpool might be the best team in the world over two legs yeah like (laughs) 
and that's probably ridiculous for other teams to like, for other top teams to hear. But we showed it against City. We showed it against absolutely everybody that we faced, and especially in Europe, like Premier League, something else, right? Like it's it, it's trench warfare throughout that thirty-eight <laughs> match season. But over two legs, like who are you scared of? I mean, after after last after last season, genuinely, after the after the City quarterfinal, there wasn't. There's not a better team in Europe. No. In terms of the pure talent, there's not a better team than City. Except maybe us. Like that it there's no one else that can match the the firepower and and a lot of people will say Madrid obviously, but I like you said over two legs, I really don't think that there's a better team. Yeah. Over two legs it's different though, right? Cuz you can have you can be stymied, you can be shut down if your approach is like a like a Mourinho or even, you know, to a lesser lesser tactical extent, Madrid, like you can kind of shut, but going into two legs, like the, the mindset is different. The the tactical approach is different because one the first goal in the first leg completely throws all that out and it, it then it normally just becomes kind of more of a dogfight. So <laughs> But that, that's what we kind of saw against PSG is that we saw that we're just going to continue to take it to every single team. Whether or not we can hold up and keep scraping by with wins will dictate what, what type of silverware we bring home, if any. But that, that was my big takeaway from PSG is kind of like the um, who's an NFL coach, you know. We we are who we thought we were, or they are who they thought they were. Yeah, you know, that that was my takeaway. It was like we, and it was more emphatic than than even some of those big wins that we had in the Champions League last year, because it was such a talented team that just got just worked off the pitch. So, with the amount of work that liverpool did to to dominate the match of ps against psg and i and i i don't use that word lightly because i really do think that that was utter domination their first shot of the second half was the equalizer yeah that's insane i mean granted it was 2-2 they're a team of immense quality i'm not taking anything away from the players especially up front it's crazy um but in terms of control Liverpool absolutely controlled the game. The game could have been far out of reach uh, by the second half. And we've been saying that a lot, I think, uh, yeah. in the beginning of the season. Uh, you know, just kind of ruining the missed chances, all that stuff. It hasn't cost us yet. And uh, and obviously, I think our forward line will only grow into the season, as Firmino has, has shown uh, and, and Firmino show, showed against PSG. But as we come into these uh, these these next couple of fixtures, we've got Southampton this weekend, and we've got yep. we've got Napoli away uh, in in the week. As far as rotation, especially with that midfield putting in the performance they put in, do you see Klopp making some changes for Saints this weekend, or is he going to try to persevere with with that midfield that's gotten the job done so far? I don't know. I mean, I'm, none of us know. We, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what we know. I just, I can't, you would think it makes sense, right? I mean, Kaita obviously comes in 
I would probably say for Milner, and as much as we don't want to say it, like <laughs> Milner is human and, and can't. <laughs> is he, and, and though? Just, I, maybe he isn't. Maybe he isn't. He just keeps going and he plays 50 matches, 90 minutes for 50 matches a season and breaks every conceivable like running sprint record, whatever. Uh, I, you know, being uh, being somebody of, of rational or sound mind, I think Milner probably is the one that gets get gets dropped, not even dropped, gets gets rested, like well deserved rest. So I, we know Kaita comes in. I just don't. I have no idea about Fabinho. I thought PSG, that's the opportune time to stick Fabinho in there. Now I don't know. Now I'm thinking it's. The, the League Cup against Chelsea. But if you haven't played him but a, a, a minute or 10 seconds so far this season, like, I, I don't know if the Premier League is the one. And now saying that, he'll probably be there in at, like, right back for Trent or something, for all we know, <laughs> given, given Klopp. But yeah. I, I, I think, I think, with, with Southampton, with Chelsea midweek, he Klopp goes with the team against Southampton that he wants against Chelsea. I think that's maybe that's the way he plays it. So he goes full strength against Southampton. We introduce Fabinho, maybe Sturridge again, maybe Shakiri Shakiri and against Chelsea midweek in the in the League Cup, and then we see that same kind of full strength squad again on Saturday. But again. We, we have absolutely no idea. We, so, like, <laughs> there's, there's no predicting this. Yeah, I, I, so I think, I think you're right that, that Keita definitely comes in. I don't, I don't think there's any question about that um, because we've obviously seen him, you know, in, in the midf- midfield already. Um, and he's had, you know, some, some great performances. He had a, a couple of nearly, uh, you know, nearly moments um, last weekend. Um, so against against Spurs to you know he nearly killed the game off um but uh Fabinho is is kind of the question mark and I think he'll obviously be used soon uh yeah. for rotation and I think I think Klopp bringing him on against PSG obviously it, it it's a it would it made sense in terms of he's a you know he's a defensive midfielder and we had the lead now so all right bring on a bring on someone just to see out these last these last few seconds of the of the match but um i think i think like you said fabinho against psg did kind of make sense but i think it also we also saw why klopp didn't go that way in the in the employment of marquinhos in that in that kind of defensive midfield role by by tuchel uh for psg because he was so static and so he was so used to defending deeper. Um, and obviously yeah. Marquinhos, you know, normally employed as a center back. So I'm not saying that he was the ideal six and Fabinho's much more kind of seasoned in that, in that deep lying. Yeah, definitely. Destroyer kind of role. Um, but he still has that kind of, you know, he's more of a he's going to sit back he's going to kind of see the plays develop before you know in front of him and he's going to he's going to maybe step up to make a challenge as someone enters you know maybe the edge of the 18 yard box or something like that um 
and that was ultimately what what you know took BSG apart on the winner was Marquinhos was inside his own box defending and, and not kind of pushed out and and kind of expansive and that's where that's where Klopp is trying to teach Fabinho I think this midfield role that we have because like we when we talked about the midfield uh you didn't know who was popping up where yeah um whereas you know traditionally you would say the six okay he's dropping between the between the center backs to receive the ball sometimes and he's gonna he's gonna sit mainly in his own half and distribute and just kind of push it out to the wings or whatever yeah and I, and i think it's you know a lot's been said on on different shows and and all the, uh and in different forums of the uh of fabinho trying to learn this this midfield but i really do think when you watch especially this midfield three against psg there is a lot to learn for a guy who played kind of a traditional six role um yeah and so so i i really don't think that he throws him in the deep end on saturday against southampton and just says all right go get it you know just because it's a little bit weaker opposition yeah um but but you might but I do think that it is potentially an opportunity because he he does you know it they don't pose as much of a threat and they're not going to push as high up the field yeah well especially against sorry it's Chelsea too where you have a team that's loaded with quality but also is now playing more possession based football like that's more of when you might need that more kind of fluid midfield three that's ready for it. So it, it, I mean, it's hard to place value on, is it the league cup? And that's why you play Fabinho or I, I think it's true though. Like Southampton would be ideal because he can play a more traditional six protecting the back two for maybe any type of, of, of counter from, from Southampton because even, when I was looking up like, Hey, you know, like pre-match stuff against Southampton, I think even what Hughes, the manager said, like talking about predictions for the matches. And he starts talking about Liverpool's like championship hopes this year, <laughs> like before the match. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, so you don't even go into tactics. You're just talking about how this team should probably be champions. It's the next logical next step. So that, that came from Hughes. Downplay. So I kind of saw that as, Okay, I, I I have absolutely no idea what to expect from this match now, but we should crush them. But right, but I, it, maybe it'll turn out to be the first loss, first row. I don't know, but yeah, that's that to me. And just like you said, would probably be Fabinho's Fabinho's time to shine. Maybe it's the League Cup. For all we know, it it will be neither, and and he'll plug him in against <laughs> against Chelsea here in a week or so. No idea, no idea when it comes to Klopp. But like we said, full faith, full faith and trust. Yeah, absolutely. And and so one player that's been called into question a lot, and I know we, I think we have uh, some stuff to say on this, but but Mo Salah has been been kind of slated and called into question recently. And uh, and so, is there any chance at all that that Mo Salah is not starting uh, come the weekend or or one of the upcoming fixtures? Maybe outside of the League Cup, because League Cup, yeah, anyone can, you know, it's kind of fair yeah, game. Yeah, but, we don't know. But uh, I don't think so. I don't know, because, I mean, from, 
I don't see the rotation from the front three, and I don't know if it's the time to rotate Sala either, because then it's feeling into if if there's been one an, an actual bad game that Sala's had this season, it was against PSG, and mostly we're thinking like because of the the error that he gave away, but but yeah, that I mean he's still basically on the same trajectory he was at this point last season. But against PSG, uh, there were a couple instances that were noticeable, right? So I I don't know. I mean, he's been honestly one of our best players throughout the season. He just doesn't have 10 goals right now. So <laughs> now that we have that out of the way, I, I don't know. You would say, like, this is an opportune time to maybe rest him and bring in Shakiri, who's probably just dying for minutes, but... That, that, I think, is even less of a possibility than rotating the midfield three for Southampton. I think it's for the Premier League, for firing all cylinders, because really out of anybody, the front three are the ones that need, individually, I think they've all been great, but do need, the, not that there's any type of bullshit about like so-and-so doesn't like, whatever. It's but it's just about their their cohesion and, and the fluidity with which they play that of course they need to keep keep working on and build that up and hopefully against a team like Southampton that haven't been impressive that's the opportunity for them to continue to kind of build that too but we know it's it's coming and once it does it's with with the way our midfield and defense have been playing it's just going to be lights out yeah the uh one of the one of the people to kind of address the what he called an undercurrent of mistrust of Mo Salah is, is one of our faves, Simon Brundish. Well, another, um, another Twitter hero. He, he is a hero. I don't or know that we'll, famer. Hall of Famer. He, yeah. He, he, <laughs> lifetime, lifetime hero. Uh, he, uh, he said, you know, obviously, um, where, you know, where, where is the, the unwavering support that Liverpool fans are famed for? So, um, Mo Salah has created the most chances, highest XG chain <laughs> shots, big chances, and dribbles into the box in the Premier League. Um, yeah. So, uh, a lot of people are lamenting that he's not finishing his big chances, but he's creating the chances. So the goals will the goals will come, right? The goals will come. The assists will come because it's. I mean, even Mane's got four goals. Doesn't have any assists to his name. Right. So it, 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 it's it's almost reversed. So we'll see that pick up from from all of them. But I don't know. It's different. We know and we can't say this without everybody's screaming something about victims or something like that. But we know the coverage of Liverpool, Liverpool players. is it, It's always different. It's always different. Like the problems that Kane is going through or Kane's going through right now. Oh, he's tired from the World Cup. Like, he was the only asshole that went to the World Cup, right? <laughs> like, like Jordan Henderson wasn't at the World Cup right next yeah, to him. Yeah, like his teammates weren't, weren't also there, and, yeah. and Hendo's putting in shifts against PSG. Yeah. Uh, th- that's how it's always going to be. Yeah. And, and that's why I'm like, uh, we don't usually, like, give in and, and, and give it airtime. But, but, yeah, but there, there's a middle ground, right? You can't – it's like living in Mexico City. Some people are like, oh, how do you live in Mexico City? It's so dangerous. And other people say, like, they're like, oh, there's nothing wrong with 
with Mexico City. And it's like, no, people like at at an alarming rate can be murdered and kidnapped in certain areas, right? So there's middle ground, right? There's middle ground in everything. And so that is kind of we need to acknowledge and, and most do that while while individually they've been brilliant, our front three can still work on their can still work on their connection a little bit, right? But it's this doom and gloom that that most others are are putting out there is just completely far from it. Yeah, I mean, you you only have to look, and I know there's debate about expected goals. I don't know why, um, because it it really is the best predictor of of a performance, right? Like, because yeah. goals are what win you matches, and if you create <laughs> more chances to score goals, then you'll probably win. Um, and against Spurs and PSG now, we created, um, well, against Spurs, nearly three expected goals, which is a, obviously a very high performance. Um, yeah. I think it was a, it ended up being a three, well, over a three, I think, against Spurs. Um, and only allowing a point eight against Spurs. And then... Uh, PSG was was in the realm of of two plus uh, XG for us, and again another sub one XG for yeah. the opponent. So literally, the definition you know, if you allow <laughs> less than one goal to your opponent and score more than one goal, then you'll probably be all right most of the time. Yeah, yeah. Um. So with with that last part, obviously the de- the defense has been receiving a, a lot of praise and rightly so. So is there any chance over these next couple of games that, that Jurgen takes a chance and um, makes a change at the back uh, and, and gives somebody a rest? Maybe, maybe we see the likes of, of Klein um, or, or Matip uh, getting a start, or does he stick with this, this system mm. that's working and, and just continue to shut teams down and just kind of hope, that the fitness holds out. Again, I probably think it's, there's a greater chance for it to happen in the league cup because Klopp's always been, he, he's shown a little bit more leniency towards being able or flexibility to rotate. But I mean, he did it without thinking most of the time in the league cup, I believe. So I, I, I that that's probably there, but I still think it's, he goes into Southampton thinking, you know, we're, we're five and we're, we're five and oh, and we're still in second place. <laughs> so right. I think that's how he structures it is he's viewing it as we've got Southampton Saturday and then we've got Chelsea in a week and I'm going to pick my 11 for Southampton and Chelsea. And then I'm going to rotate as needed in the league cup against Chelsea, which I assume Chelsea will also do as well. Right. And that's what I, I can't remember the exact stat uh, from last year, but Liverpool weren't all that bad in terms of coming off of a Tuesday match and playing on Saturday or Wednesday and playing on Sunday um, and, and picking up the points. That wasn't necessarily where we were, yeah. where we were dropping points last year. What was our only issue is early matches. Right. Last year. I think, and we've yeah. kind of, We've kind of shrunk that off a little bit. We've done okay. You yeah, know, so far. We don't want to be too committed to. I'm going to knock on wood real quick. But yeah, yeah exactly. We... I'll I'll do the same. But um, <laughs> but the 
the whole idea of a you know European hangover, a Champions League hangover, it, it kind of seems like last year Liverpool were able to avoid that for the most part. So is it is the rotation going to be key or is the rotation kind of a luxury for, for Klopp at this point? I think part of it is, I don't know how much of it is rotation with Klopp and just being able to naturally rotate when we need it. And the only one that's kind of screaming out, like even Genie or Hendo, who might be a little bit situated more to six, just minute-wise and just overall exhaustion-wise, aren't going to be putting putting that out as much. Uh, on the same realm, I think for the defense, like Van Dyke and Gomez, and Gomez it's a little bit different because he's younger. You might have to watch his minutes. That might come into it, but we we haven't really seen that from Klopp before. So that that's what I kind of vision. Like maybe there's the the need arises to to monitor those minutes and say those kind of high impact positions like maybe Trent or Robertson. Um, but again, Robertson was a little bit more reserved in, in the match against PSG too. So that's what you have to look at. But I think a lot of it is just when the necessity arises or if there's any doubt, like Firmino getting like his <laughs> – uh, saying the skull Fucking like we, we, we curse we curse a lot on the two red gringos but like a skull like hard f after that <laughs> might be a little much for 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 this episode but <laughs> basically his, his eye his eye socket was penetrated <laughs> thoroughly yeah <laughs> two knuckles real deep real yeah. deep so then yes maybe he can play maybe he puts the goggles or the eye patch on yeah but we've got Sturridge don't take the chance so maybe right. for like a Milner and whether or not he's human will will factor in heavily I'm sure right. Klopp knows <laughs> maybe for Milner like don't take the chance right like dude is putting in like just marathon work for LFC maybe there's a full bet like they know they know but right. if there's not a glaring need I think it's just, just, uh, just full barrels against Southampton. Yeah, and that's what I think. At this point in the season, we're staring down that Chelsea fixture as there's potential now that we meet Chelsea in the Premier League both unbeaten, potentially yeah. undrawn as well, and that yeah, the that fixture now becomes. You know who's going to blink first, um, and I and I don't know that Klopp is willing to take chances, knowing that he's got the squad now. And I'm not saying this as as an overconfident Liverpool fan or counting my my chickens before they've hatched or anything like that. But he's got the squad now to win the Premier League, and I'm not saying that again, not from an overconfident place, but from just from a strictly we've seen now against these top sides that he can win every game that that is put in front of him. Yeah. It won't happen. He won't win every single game, but we've got the squad to do it. And that's, and that's where I don't think that he's necessarily going to take the chances, um, that he may have taken. I think the only time that we're going to see Klopp really go out on a limb, uh, is in the, is in the domestic cups, um, league cup, especially like you said, I think we could, uh, you know, we could see it, 
that lineup could get announced for the League Cup against Chelsea, and we could be like, who, like, what happened? <laughs> you know, um, because I really do think that his his emphasis is going to be on the on the Premier League and the Champions League. Um, yeah, and and I don't know that he's that he's going to want to take the type of risks or, you know, oh, it's just Southampton. Like we'll see how it goes. I think he we could very well see the same team. You know, maybe with Keita in there for for Hendo even, uh, yeah. that came out against PSG the same exact eleven, uh, just Keita instead of Hendo, and then straight back in. You know, and maybe Firmino for Sturridge uh, as long as his eyes all right, and we're just again like you said, full you know both barrels against against Southampton. So I think we I think we're looking to get to that Chelsea match, um, having not having not dropped points because if obviously even this early in the season, the way, the way Chelsea have gone, uh, you know, unbeaten, undrawn as well. Uh, we don't want to be the team that blinks first. I think that's, I think that's where we're at right now. Yeah. And what really, uh, I don't know why I thought about it, but a Liverpool fan account picked up and ran with Chelsea's, blues are for the or saturdays are for the blues like making fun of it and he's like not this year (laughs) and i'm like dude they're still gonna like they're still playing in the premier league (laughs) (laughs) he's like but not as much he's like not after europe and i'm like the first when we when we play him's on a saturday so that that kind of (laughs) that harsh that harsh my mellow for the Saturdays or for the blues, but also it reminded me just now that that is a, just a choice time, like potentially two, two sides that have won out so far on a Saturday at, is it going to be 1030 for, I'm on a weird mountain time zone right now. I think it's going to be like a 1030 El Paso time, 1130 central time match. It will be even if it's nine thirty, ten thirty. Like that that's a hell of a slot for 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 gringo style drinking. <laughs> yeah, it will be a ten thirty kickoff. Um so it is prime time for rockin' cigar bar to be rockin'. Uh, yeah. It uh it'll be a good time out here in El Paso, but so I, I wanted to talk. So we've got these these European trips coming up, and I'm glad that Chelsea's in the Europa League. I think that ultimately is going to help us out a lot in the run in. Um, you know, if Chelsea is our, <laughs> we're already talking about Chelsea like Manchester City don't exist, but that's the um, the nature of the of the Premier League now <laughs> is people just don't drop points anymore um, yeah. if you're going to win, but. With Chelsea being involved in the Europa League, I'm very, very pleased about that. But on our European travels, we've obviously got... I don't think Paris is identified as as too hostile of an environment. Um, but two of our, our competitors have this very kind of hostile reputation that precedes them. And <laughs> I think Napoli, That's not so much... Lightly. Not so much Napoli's ground... Not so much Napoli's supporters as their, as their ground... I was uh, going to say it's their, as their citizens. Yeah. Who was the hamstick that was robbed multiple <laughs> times? And 
Like, you don't rob your own players. <laughs> your own players, yeah. Um, and then the video that's been going around in the in the buildup to the Napoli Red Star match was, uh, you know, this is the tunnel that the Napoli players have to walk down to get to the pitch at Red Star Belgrade. And it is, you know, it's a graffiti tunnel, and there's, like, thousands of policemen standing in it to protect them and all this stuff. But everybody talked about last season, you know, city being affected by the, the cans of beer being thrown, you know, the missiles we'll say being thrown at their, uh, (laughs) at their bus. But do hostile, these hostile environments in the, in the champions league, is that something that we're worried about on this run in? Um, like, are we, am I thinking about Napoli? Like, um, like, oh, you know, what if something, like, is that going to get in the players' heads, or is that something that we're even concerned about? No. No. Like, if your club is described as, now now I know, like, there are extreme examples, right? But if your club is described as playing heavy metal football, or <laughs> heavy metal football, you don't leave one, like, like Thrasher bar and then go to another one and like, Ooh, I don't, I'm not so sure about this like loud music. Like it makes me <laughs> like that, that to me, like just fuels, it, it, it just fuels the type of tempo and the type of style that we want to play. Like if the crowd is going like PSG fans, like I love the little clip of the, 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 the support that PSG had their supporters and our supporters applauding each other after the match. Like we, we welcome that. Like we appreciate it. We love it. Cause we know the traveling cop is going to bring it, but also I, I don't know. That's what we live for. We're not like, I, I can see it affecting like all those like kind of detrimental things you said about kind of PSG and city being these little pet projects. Those are the type of like teams that, probably aren't cut out for that right with that that are just like these little kind of paper teams that (laughs) that look good can play some good football but for us like that just fuels this this clop aura and and what this squad has is this high intensity just i don't know like milner somebody would chug a (laughs) throw like a bottle of wine at him or say, catch it, like pop the thing off and like start chugging it before he takes a corner. Like that's what I see (laughs) as long as it's Rabina or whatever. But that's what I see our, uh, like our club doing whenever we run into hostile environments. Yeah. It, it just doesn't seem, I don't know. It, like you said, it kind of, kind of seems like something that's, you know, it's obviously Liverpool's environment is not, you know, on par with the, (laughs) absurd you know like banned for uh you know have to play in front of an empty stadium uh (laughs) type shit but like and that's okay there's balance right there's balance to everything but but it is interesting how liverpool have built anfield kind of back into this uh place where people say oh not an easy place to go like it yeah you know it's very very difficult environment all this stuff and and it's interesting to hear people talk about you know, they talk about these grounds around Europe, uh, especially like places like Belgrade and, um, you know, kind of the less traveled areas of, of Europe, uh, the less kind of, (laughs) 
you know, socialized parts of Europe that haven't really, you know, seen the outside world yet. Um, and you, you get there and it's, it's just foreign and crazy and all this stuff. I, I just don't think that that's something that, you know, between Klopp and, and just kind of the attitude around the club, I don't think that's something that they let get to them. You know, there's a, it's just not something that they think about. Um, yeah. And, I think and, we would struggle in the empty stadium. Right. <laughs> as opposed to the police tunnel. Right. That we have to walk through. Right. And that's a, I, like you said, I mean, they obviously, I think when you look at the performance against PSG, especially coming kind of full circle, we've got, you know, one team that, that responds in, in those pressure situations and in the, when like things are going your way or whether they're not, um, you know, one team is committed to what they're doing and is committed to the system and isn't, you know, caught up in the moment. Uh, whereas the other team is kind of trying to find their way and ultimately, you know, kind of succumbs to the, to the pressure and, and Tuchel now has, has found out the hard way, what, what Anfield does to, <laughs> to opposing teams. Multiple. What is it? Three. We know like obviously PSG and then the Dortmund, the Dortmund winner, but uh, then the, somebody else said there's been three, like 91st minute goals in the matchups between Klopp and Tuchel. So <laughs> poor guy, poor guy. Yeah. He doesn't know any other way than to lose late to a Klopp team and especially <laughs> at Anfield. So, um, with that, with all that being said, um, I want to move on to our, to our social media heroes and villains. I think we got Twitter well represented. Um, I want to start with the villains this time around, cause I want to end on a positive note. Uh, so I first want to bring That's up not the way Twitter works. It's in Instagram. <laughs> I want to whitewash my existence. I want to make sure that only the positives are, are, <laughs> I would say about Instagram. Anytime I see Instagram, it's all flowers. It's roses. It's, it's all lovely. It's all positive. So I don't know where they got these, like, this like attack towards Egyptian fans, like going after Mane, deleting a post. It has to be Russian bots because that type of stuff does not go down on Instagram. That's only on Twitter. Right. That level of negativity. Right. The only thing that goes on on Instagram is the Bezies, uh, LFC TV, you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I am going to start Can with the start villains. calling ourselves Bezies. Bezies. I mean, two, two red bits. No, no, no. <laughs> Too red I'm best. sorry. It's, no, I take that back. Bo- boozers? Bo- boozies? I don't know. Just gringos. <laughs> we'll stick with gringos for Brachos, now. Brachos, maybe. I don't know. So the, so the first one um, I want to bring up, this actually happened today, I think. Um, in Yeah, yours was a little bit mysterious in the, in, in the Google Doc in our detailed preparation. Oh, so, um, talking about mine, I meant to, I meant to, to write the last name in here. Um, but it's, Um, it was, it's a reply. I, I had tweeted out, uh, I thought it was the U S soccer Ted. No, 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 no. I don't want to dedicate any time on this podcast to him. Um, not worth it. But so I had I had tweeted out uh, a couple of days ago, fo- or yeah, right after the following the the Champions League, you had you had tweeted, um, 
I was upset. You were upset that Klopp upset. did the. You were upset that Klopp did the. Oh no, no, I was upset. Oh, we'll get to that. I was upset with your comment towards this particular human being. But no, I'm sorry. I got ahead of myself. Yeah. So um, I was happy with Klopp. Yeah. So Klopp in his post game interview against PSG mimics the the eye patch or the one eye celebration of <laughs> of Bobby Firmino, and says maybe we can make a T shirt out of that. That which was. <laughs> Crazy and amazing, all you know, all at once. Uh, and so Maybe the next, the next kit that the two red yeah, gringos, the provide. next two red gringos kit is a one-eyed Bobby Firmino kit. Uh, but it's going to be Klopp doing the Bobby. Oh, obviously, right? <laughs> so, um, so I, I, I think I quote tweeted your your tweet and said, you know, the day Klopp leaves, I'll be inconsolable. Mm. And we all know that it'll eventually happen. Um, no, don't. Hopefully don't, many don't. years from now upon his death um, or mine. I, don't, I hope you know? ours. Like, I hope, I hope it's ours. Like, I, I don't want to live first. day. <laughs> Let me die first. There. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so I said, you know, when, when he leaves the club, I'll be inconsolable because he's had all these great moments. He obviously has the team playing amazing football at the moment. So, you know, why would I, why would I possibly want him to leave? And I, I don't think it'll sour just because of the kind of relationship that Klopp has with the players, with the fans. Yep. He just gets it. Like he just, he understands Liverpool. He, he just, he feels like part of the club now, you know, part of the fabric of the club. Now you already won the Klopp, Carlo Ancelotti debate. You don't. You don't have to keep shoving it in my face. Okay. Well, it's going to get shoved in your face because we're playing Napoli in our in our group, and Ancelotti is there. So we're going to be revisiting this over and over. We'll have to re. We'll have to replay some clips of uh, maybe maybe a blooper reel of me going to bat for Carlo and failing miserably, which we we do have um, somewhere in the archives, but. so one of the one of the responses that I got, and it was after a while, it was after a couple of days um, of you know people were responding positively to the tweet and and all that stuff because Liverpool fans love Klopp. There's no you know there's no denying that nothing but positivity. Nothing. And then well. I I get <laughs> I get into work and I have a reply on the tweet like I have a notification. From a account that calls himself Sir Ted Lasso, and if anyone yeah. remembers Ted Lasso, yeah, that was <laughs> Jason Sudeikis's character that <laughs> acted. He was an American football coach who was, you know, like recruited to go coach Tottenham, which makes sense. Um. And this guy decided to make an account kind of as Ted Lasso. And just to give you an idea, his his bio is greatest coach on planet Earth, mm-hmm. Spurs, Lester. Like is like what's the comma breakdown? It's a it's a greatest coach on planet Earth, period. Okay. Spurs, period. Lester, period. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm even more confused now. Which is a no. So he, 
this guy, whoever he is, but I'm assuming he's a Spurs fan slash a Leicester fan. Um, if he's American, like this screams like American started following soccer when NBC Sports are putting it out there, right? Right. Because I feel like Spurs, maybe you can kind of gravitate towards them if you don't know better. And Leicester, <laughs> they won the Premier League. So, yeah. Okay. I, I, all right. I think I kind of understand this yeah. weasel. So he replied, or he quote tweets my tweet and says, I love Klopp as a character, and I enjoy watching his team play, but he's the longest trophyless coach at Liverpool since the 1950s. Sooner or later, heavy metal football needs to deliver. Mm. That's insane <laughs> for a number of reasons, but the question that I asked in response is, and I, I fucked this up, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to ever let myself live it down because you, you pointed out how I should have gone with this. I said, how long is the leash on Pochettino to win a trophy there, Ted? You know? Yeah. Leash being the inappropriate word. It should have been lasso. Yeah. Cause yeah. Ted lasso, you guys yeah. get it. But the no. bottom line is that he then responded with, Oh, I didn't put a timetable on it. Blah, 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 whatever. All I'm saying is that any, any person out there who thinks that Klopp must win a trophy this year has to just look at last season and the fact that for 24 minutes in the Champions League final, we played Real Madrid completely off of the, off of the park in Kiev. And one wrestling move later, we're down Mo Salah and, and the game completely changes and the luck completely flips on its head. Gareth Bale scores a goal that he never scores a thousand times if he tries yep. it a thousand more times, blah, 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 carious, whatever. That's a trophy. Like, if he, you know, that game nine times out of ten played differently, Liverpool were out playing Madrid at the beginning, and you've got a trophy, and no one's talking about, oh, Klopp needs silverware, Klopp, blah, blah, yeah. blah. It's just uh, so much comes down to luck when it's winning trophies, and you're not going to undo years of work and what is clearly a a squad that is head and shoulders above what he took over three years ago. You're not going to undo that just because of, you know, a, uh, you know, uh, uh, if he doesn't win a trophy this year, which I, I believe we will, but you know, you can't bank on stuff like that because again, it comes down to so much luck in, in certain, you know, moments. So yeah, the idea of attaching trophies to these coaches is just, nuts and Ted Lasso you earn a, a Twitter villain today for that so the biggest the biggest villain definitely too because that's what we we kind of had I don't know subtweet or sidebar or whatever it was and saying uh, it, it, one we we don't need a trophy <laughs> like we don't Klopp doesn't need a trophy right and the trophies that we want aren't things that you get every single season right Premier League, Champions League. Like, the look at Arsenal. Like, you could get top four, win the FA Cup every other year, and you can still be dog shit. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't, all that matters, and this is important for Liverpool, maybe United, maybe Arsenal, right? None of the other clubs kind of come close, is that their, their trophy cabinet is almost like a measuring stick. Right. And really only for United and Liverpool. So in that regard, yeah, it kind of has an impact of us being able to say like, hey, most, you know, successful 
English club of all time. But but no, we we have our eyes on, on two main trophies. And if bombing out of the league or the FA Cup, which you know we hope we don't do, it would be great. It would be great for Klopp, Klopp to win the trophy. I don't think any fans are crying out for either of those trophies because we're at a level now where where we want more. So <laughs> even if that it's not for other fans to kind of dictate like Klopp needs to win a trophy. It's entirely up to the Liverpool fan base, the Liverpool owners to decide when when his his reign has kind of come come to an end. And then And like we said, we don't want it to be anytime soon because we're playing <laughs> Earlier in the podcast, we said, "Is this the best team in the world in in a two game, <laughs> in a two game matchup?" So no, we we're fine. We're we're okay, Ted. Yeah, <laughs> stick to Spurs or Leicester, whichever you prefer. Or both. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I'll I, say stick just, to Spurs. Now that they've lost three straight, just have stick they lost to Spurs. three straight? They have lost three straight. Watford, Liverpool, Inter. Three on the bounce, as I said. You know, it's the World Cup. Everybody's tired. Yep. No, that's what... Uh... <laughs> yeah, Harry Kane, you know, he's just tired. He's just tired. It's but, okay. So I had a villain, <laughs> and I like this villain, one, because he's just... Uh, I Like, the tweet that I saw was just like, how, how do you live with yourself <laughs> and say things like that? <laughs> like, he's not a villain any of us there's nothing target of us it was just maybe towards the human race in general or maybe just football twitter so i don't even know if his name is jared or gerard <laughs> i think not you're... like not like a gerard like like a j e r o d gerard right. like a j a r r a d like super white dude yeah gerard but I don't know. Maybe Jared spelled inappropriately. So his his big thing, I think it was, was it today or yesterday? Uh, early, well, I saw it today. Yeah. So he was just, as we get, just jacked to the tits about FIFA 19. And specifically... And I only saw this because you you had graced my timeline with it. <laughs> post post a photo of of Derby County and says huge Premier League badges and font confirmed. If you get promoted to the Premier League in FIFA 19 career mode, finally all caps heart eyes. So he's huge confirmed finally. For badges and a font for lower league clubs if they make it to the Premier League. And this, we, we, have, we have already gone all in on anti-FIFA this year. Like we're finally, I feel like I have been dragging my feet and, and keeping us from this moment. But we're finally there. So we're, we're 100% against FIFA, FIFA 19 and buying it. And yeah. this kind of just sums it all up. Like... If this is if you're so ingrained in FIFA that you're jacked to the tits for badges and fonts, 
that's everything that's wrong with it, right? It's just a cash machine for him now. <laughs> and and they'll throw, uh, oh, we've got a Champions League logo now and we've got the Premier League badge that goes on kits. Like, like there's so much more that needs to happen to it and yet still people with 200,000 followers are putting out huge... It's like a Trump tweet, but for FIFA and badges. <laughs> so... We actually have ca- we we have captured live audio of Jared reacting to the news that EA made small aesthetic changes to career mode. Something. <laughs> okay. I'm jacked. I'm jacked to the test. <laughs> Good. Do you feel it? No. So that's essentially a phone conversation between between me and Jared earlier. Um, I did not feel it. Uh, but he was he was jacked all the way to the tits. So, um, how can you not about fonts and badges? Yeah, really? that's a, that that's that's what we play FIFA for. <laughs> the the expectation that's what that was my my thought is just the expectation management by EA is just next level because a lot of people have been saying like, hey, we need improvements in career mode. We need youth squads. We need uh, you know more specialized training we need uh <laughs> we need to be able to upgrade our stadiums and i'm not saying like the officially licensed ones but like the you know the generic ones um we need kit changes you know like every couple of years cuz we're not you know the game is a, if a career mode's played more than one season now all of a sudden you're playing <laughs> with the same like, kit that you you know and uh and so just like some of those changes no nothing but they they're able to change the badge from I'm you know I was in League Two I'm now in League One I've got the League One badge and that's I'm supposed to get excited about that get a new font get the fuck out of here you know this is like it's not it's not something to get excited about whatever like yeah how how do you live with yourself to put that out there and to specify certain words with all caps oh, oh. he didn't even put the word badges or fonts. In all caps, and that's what he was so jacked to the tits about. So yeah, that's that was my Twitter villain, Twitter villain of the week. Just a just a stain on humanity. <laughs> so I want to I want to move on to the positive, um, and uh, and this is this is a guy who has kind of he's kind of risen uh, to the top uh, this season specifically, um, and it's I I kind of hate that this is his Twitter name because I want to call him by his like actual name. Um, <laughs> uh, but Babu Yagu, um, who's, yes. who's been writing some incredible articles and he's just been deep diving the analytics, like a guy who has been in analytics arguments with Dan Kennett, who is like the analytics King. I was shook. <laughs> I, when I saw that thread and I saw, him commenting, I think it was just about what, like Milner, average speed, average speed versus like, versus distance, distance covered. And Babu comes in like, like some type of mathematical genius. Like obviously, like it shouldn't it be the same thing? Right. And I'm looking at like, oh yeah, it should. You know, like <laughs> our our human brains can only work at one one level. Right. I have no idea where this guy came from. No. Now, I was looking like, like maybe he's got like. Oh, he'll, he'll, uh, a slow number of followers. I had never seen anything, anything from this Twitter account until this season. 
And then in this thread, and, and I had been following him before, but this thread he pops up and Dan Kennett says one thing. And, and we, we have nothing but uh, another, another true Twitter Hall of Famer. Oh, Dan absolutely. Kennett, but, but Dan Kennett kind of says, like, I don't know if it's misguided or maybe for Dan Kennett, it's probably a different stat, right? But Babu comes in and he just says, like, like oh, no, this is X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, everything that I thought was was good and that I knew in this world just came crashing down and I just pledged allegiance to Babu then and there because because <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's it's kind of like and same thing to to Dan Kennett and and even uh Cy is that they're so good with not just because let's be honest like analytically soccer is not at this point of like baseball and maybe even basketball to some points uh, where it's just too, too analytical where it doesn't make sense to the average fan. But things like XG, XG chain that are now starting to come out are, are not that deep, right? But people are still, people still struggle with them. So they do an incredible job of breaking down using social media and videos and gifs and, and images to capture why these things are important and how they influence the game. And aside from just his, uh, he, he has to have, and this kind of popped up in that chain with Dan Kennett too, was that he has to have some type of inside knowledge or access to data and stats that other people just don't have. I don't know where, but, <laughs> but he's got it right. So, but then his ability, there is one, his piece on the impact of Navigate to so far was just amazing. And mostly because he coined the phrase, the Navigate to zone of death <laughs> <laughs> to take up his spot. Because like without any goals, without any assists, we still know the impact. But I'm almost like anticipating like the hazard or the, the, the fanboy accounts to come out here here in a month or so. To say like, okay, Tiz got like no goals, no assists. Here's his like tackles per minutes. Most of them are down, but we see the impact on the pitch. And the heat map was basically void of like his area. I think it was against I can't remember the team against but, Spurs. Yeah, it was, and, uh, and it, yeah against Spurs. Yeah, yeah. The, because they the, like the fullbacks kind of stopped there, and then maybe they connected up above him too. So yeah. it is. It's this. I loved it because for Kate, it was like this. We know he's got the potential to be, and it's it's not over the top to compare him to some some great players like in Iniesta, right, or Ajavi, who who never really racked up goals and assists. Navi will throughout the course of the season, but to measure his impact, to measure those players' impact, is extremely hard to is hard to do. Right now, right, like. Javi Iniesta got praise after the fact, almost when it was too late. But to do it during the match and to say like this player still has this impact is 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 a rare trait. So that's Babu Yagu is the Twitter hero, and he almost was last time we did Twitter heroes. And ladies or gentlemen, I don't I don't, I don't know either way. It says DMs open. <laughs> on his on his profile 
It then also says for work requests. But I'll just put that out there, right? Most of the time. <laughs> slide into his yeah. DMs. See slide what into those DMs for work requests. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, Babu Yagu cleans up Twitter hero. Um, he's been a he's been a hero this season already, um, and it's it's early doors, so still a lot for for Baba Yagu to show. Much like Nabi Keita, uh, there's still a lot more to come. He's shown a lot of promise, and there's and there's even more to come. And also, Dane Kennett, maybe you know a little bit of pressure, a little bit of pressure on him to step the game up a little bit too. But <laughs> could be in nothing, the genie the genie but role. Love for Dan. <laughs> I believe Dan's in the Hall of Fame. He doesn't have to worry. Yeah, I believe in Dan's ability to, uh, you know, to to hold on to his place. But um, it 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 has been such a great start to the season. It's such it, it, obviously it's a lot of fun to be able to get on here and talk about six straight wins um, for Liverpool and and starting off the Champions League with a, with a win against one of the biggest teams in Europe. Mm. Um, I don't know. It doesn't get much better than that. I, I don't know that we can, aside from the run-in last year, there's not really a period that I can think about since we started the pod that uh, that really matches this. I, I can think of one thing that's better than six straight, and that's seven straight. So Southampton, Saturday, somewhat of an early matchup. Again, I have no idea what time zone I'm in right now. It's some type of hybrid mountain non-daylight savings standard time zone, I think is the official name. I have no idea. But I'll be traveling from on the road from Tucson to Phoenix. But I think I'm playing it right, so I get to see most of the match, at least in the airport. So That's uh that's a way to do it. I will be I'll be out here with the El Paso Reds. Um I actually had Small, you know, small anecdote uh, was at a hit trivia night at the uh, at the Alamo Draft House on Tuesday. Ooh, and, well, how does uh, that work? Oh wait, it's in the bar, right? It's, it's in the bar. Like, yeah, no, it's not right, in yeah. like a movie theater. I thought that like, would be it's the theater, and they stop <laughs> it, and everybody. That seems kind of awkward. So yeah, that would that, be that makes that sense would, now. Yeah, it's in the bar, and uh, and anyways, I was still obviously buzzing from the uh, from the PSG match, and I had. When I got home, I had put the Firmino my my Firmino jersey on, uh, so I feel partially you know responsible for the for the winner, um, <laughs> but because uh, I was wearing right, the jersey too. at the time, but uh, so I I kept it on uh, when we went to when we went to trivia, and it's a good thing I did because uh, all of a sudden like across the bar I'm hearing like Bobby Firmino, like oh the new I'm like what. Look out! I thought someone was like fucking around, or probably a United fan. I thought it was Fernie at first. You know, I was like, like, oh, he's gonna try to give me shit. You know, and uh, and yeah, so I uh, I noticed that this guy's like trying to get my attention, and I was like, oh shit! He's like, he's like, oh great, win today. I was like, hey, so if you're a Liverpool fan. you're a Liverpool fan, you should come on down to Rockin' Cigar Bar um, this Saturday because the El Paso Reds will be out there. And so I got him on the Facebook, whatever. And uh, this other guy walks up while I'm talking to him and is like, Liverpool. I was like, you got to be shitting me. Like two guys not in the same group 
just both recognize the shirt, both both uh, Liverpool fans. So they the exist. Bobby Firmino. They exist. If they exist, here's what the conversation would have gone with me. Would have been, number one, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you not already be part of the part of the inner circle right <laughs> you're not trying hard enough if you're not so. <laughs> no i mean it's and that's that's fair as well um <laughs> but i have it's been weird i've bumped into i've bumped into people um but it's uh it's classic case of el paso doesn't wake up for for the early games that's true um so we've got an eight o'clock kickoff this weekend, and and I'm I'm hoping for hoping for a good turnout, especially with our with our new recruits. So uh, so yeah, hopefully we're hopefully we're building something, you know, out here and kind of getting back to those those halcyon days uh, at corner <laughs> at corner That's tavern. The glory you know? days. <laughs> oh man. Um, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to, how are we going to, how are we going to close this out? I'm, I'm looking to, I'm looking for the right, for the right song. Were we going to end it with, with Lupe? Or or did you want to end it with Jumpman? (laughs) Oh yeah, I did say that, didn't I? Yeah, let's do Jumpman. This is our, this is essentially our diss track to PSG. <laughs> well, good. Well, if you play that, I'm going to run. I got to take a piss real quick and then I'll be back. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, guys, if you've enjoyed the two red gringos, be sure to follow us on Twitter at two red gringos, uh, as well. You can follow our individual accounts, uh, at Baki Balboa at Mexico city, LFC, uh, additionally, check out tworedgringos.com for all of our past episodes and for the Bobby Dazzler shirt, which is still on sale. Um, there's only limited sizes left and, uh, and limited stock. If the orders exceed the demand, then you can go ahead and, uh, and I'll order some more stock. But for now, uh, it is very limited, so get your orders in at tworedgringos.com. Uh, keep an eye out for YouTube stuff. We've got videos. We've got a uh, podcast coming up. And uh, if you guys are so inclined, check out the Patreon. Uh, it is two bucks a month. Gets you all kinds of extra stuff. All of this stuff uh, will remain free. So it won't be anything uh, anything that you're used to getting for free. You will still get for free. And there, it'll only be the extras that are extra so with that being said yeah yeah Taliban Taliban yeah them boys up to something they just spent like two or three weeks out the country them boys up to something they just not just bluffing you don't have to call, I hear my dance like Usher, ooh. I just found my tempo like on DJ Mustard, ooh. I hit that Ginobili with my left hand up like, ooh. Lobster and Celine for all my babies that I miss. Chicken finger, french fry for them hoes that want to dance.